0: Welcome to Founders Focus, a podcast made for founders by founders. I'm Scott Case, CEO and co-founder of Upside, and we created Founders Focus to share free resources and actionable advice. Together, we're building a community for business leaders, entrepreneurs, and founders to come together to tackle today's challenges. This podcast is powered by the awesome team at Upside. I'm super excited to talk uh, with our guest, who I'm excited to introduce, who is Roman Stanek, who's the founder and CEO of Good Data. And we're going to be digging into some trends around business intelligence and data and and the cloud and how all these things are converging together. But I always like to start these conversations with your entrepreneurial journey. So, Roman, tell us about how you got here and what your journey has been like.
1: Yeah. So, so my my background may be a little unusual. I, I grew up in uh, in Eastern Europe, um, and uh, so so uh, a little uh, fact about me as. Uh, I didn't have access to computers until I was like 25. So I lived in, uh, in complete isolation from com- computers. And I wish my kids had the same luxury of no- not being able to, uh, to spend uh, most of their time playing video games. And, uh, and then you know, right after college, I started a company called NetBeans in Java development space that's still being used. It's still one of the top Java IDs in the world competing with, competing with uh, Eclipse. And I sold, uh, sold um, uh, NetBeans to Sun Microsystems, and it was an amazing experience. I spent time with all of the leaders of the, of Silicon Valley uh, early on. And then I started another company uh, that essentially invented uh, uh, the whole or co-invented, I should say, the whole concept of microservices cloud uh, and uh, Again, a little story about that company, the company called was called uh, Sistinet, and we sold it to HP and in 2002, we had an interesting first customer, it was actually the first customer of that company. It was the small division of Amazon called AWS. And uh, so the first version of AWS was running on our software and AWS had exactly I believe five people and uh, and today it's like a 75,000 person organization. And I still believe that some of the original people who did business with us in, uh, in 2002 are still today at AWS, which is unbelievable. And so, so again, we sold that company to HP, and uh, I moved to Silicon Valley to start uh, Good Data a couple of years later, and this is what I'm doing.
0: That's awesome. I love the story, and, and when you have those kinds of exits, And uh, in particular, when you're at the forefront of a major transition, right? The transition to the cloud is a big deal. And I remember right around that time, I think it was probably 2003 or 2004, I I experienced AWS for the first time and I said, I'll never have to buy a server again because back in my Priceline experience, we actually, I was racking servers, right? You had to build your own data centers in a lot of ways. And I was just like, great, I'll never do that again. So there's a big transformation that's happening now. And I want to talk a little bit about good data. You started the company about 13 years ago. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And so you, you were at the beginning of the cloud. The cloud has become more and more prevalent. And yet there's sort of this Haves and have-nots going on for upside. For example, we started the company five years ago, and we were cloud-only. Right, we didn't mm-hmm. we didn't have a server. We didn't have anything. In fact, there was a joke. We had a, a small telco closet that had like the Wi-Fi in it and the and the, the head end for the uh, the cable network that we were using for our Wi-Fi service. Everybody thought that that's where all the software was going that we were building. I was like, no, no, no. That's not. There's no data centers anymore. Mm-hmm. So, tell me a little bit about you know, we've all heard of SaaS, this shift to software as a service, which is the core of the cloud from a business user standpoint. All of that is generating enormous amounts of data. And now we're in a place where we're moving towards something you've called data as a service. So can you tell me a little bit about what that is and how that transformation has happened and why good data is such a, uh, you know, once again, on the forefront of things?
1: Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I I believe that first five, maybe maybe, maybe 10 years of cloud, cloud was really meant more like a death test. Like you didn't want to buy a new computer at, uh, at Priceline. So you go to AWS and you have a new computer and so on. And so the first large users of cloud were really kind of more like a isolated units at bigger companies who, you know, that was their way how to get access to uh, hardware. I think that it kind of accelerated only in the last few years and and the biggest acceleration I see is uh, is actually started with snowflake and and snowflake IPO and and how snowflake is able to to really kind of drive the the consolidation of data into the cloud and again from not just as a, as a piece of hardware that may be marginally cheaper or or marginally bit more more available but as a, as a major major, Trans, transformation not just data industry but the overall what I would call a value chain and i you know and i have this concept of value chain for many years now if you think about anything what we do with data it's essentially based on on a, on kind of effect of copying the data so i use salesforce i produce data i copy it to some other tool where i massage it and then i copy it to teradata and then i copy it to you know some some analytics tool And so from that perspective, it was really cloud was not really uh, playing any major role there. But with Snowflake, I do, and and not just Snowflake, there are so many new technologies that are kind of the cloud uh, data lakes or or data warehouses. I do believe that it's almost like an iPhone moment, where now we have one place to store data under the cloud. And it kind of completely changes the whole end to end, the whole value chain. And I do believe that it will actually affect every company that uh, is using data downstream like and analyzing the data. But I also believe that it will affect companies that actually produce data. So my 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 idea is that one day there's gonna be like a CRM company that's one founder will start that will not store data uh, anywhere, but in Snowflake. So we never need to move the data. We have actually uh, all the data sets in one place. And that's why I'm calling it an iPhone moment because we can have all the data in the world in one place for you know easy access and analytics and real time and all all of those good things and that's kind of that's what we see and and so now we actually we want to make these data sets available to everyone and anyone and it's impossible when it's in some database and so on so we are creating this concept of data as a service so that if you want to know anything about your I don't know, sell, you know your, your um, customer pipeline, there's an API for it. If you want to know anything about your customer experience, there is an API for it. And you can actually go and get that information without knowing where is it coming from and how difficult is it to process.
0: So is it fair to say that your, your goal is to create a bit of an abstraction layer on top of all that data exactly. and so that you can then build products on top of that abstraction to, to provide either insights to your sales organization or the ability to surface something to a customer in real time? Like, is that the, that I summarize that?
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually a perfect summarization. Abstraction layer, I would call it single source of metrics you know, it, it, in most companies, there's no single source of metrics. If I'm, you know, let's assume pipeline, uh, uh, pipeline, price line, you know, you, you might have an occupation uh, metric that's calculated 100 times and everyone's saying like, why do we have 15 different ways how we calculated it? Because once you calculate it in your data science tools, once you calculate it in your BI tool, once it was calculated by your production engine and so on. So having that one single source of metrics with that kind of abstraction, and I'm using metric as an abstraction. There might be different ways that what you want to abstract, but metric is what drives companies. Um, and and having that available, not just people, but to machines, to uh, to optimization machines. Again, I need to optimize. Our you know booking uh, thing. I have a source of metrics and in in this ast- abstraction. So it's kind of a reimagination how we thought about kind of business intelligence and making it not only available to people but also making it available to machines, to le- uh, to uh, AI and anyone who actually
0: needs access to that abstraction. Well, and you just brought up the the, the other sort of big buzzword, right? And the machine learning models would like those machines, right? Mm-hmm. Would like to be able to. Be trained through an API and not just waiting for a data set to get uploaded so it sounds like it's it's catering both to new products that can be developed but also the ability for you to apply things like machine learning and others into your analytics and your decision making what do you see as the biggest barriers to kind of companies successfully using data as a service like what gets in their way, or how do they need to think about it a little differently in order to take advantage of what good data and, and, and that concept play out?
1: Yeah, it's 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 interesting because we spent last as an industry, we spent last uh, 50 years talking about data silos. You know, we open any anything about data and you will read about data being siloed and how big problem it is and so on. And, and I actually believe it's the organizational silos that are bigger problem for analytics and especially for ML and so on. When you have one team of people who do AI and we are the AI experts and another two group of people who say, well, we are the, the data experts and, and BI experts and so on. And these people report to different parts of organization, they don't tr- trust each other, they don't work together. And so you can have the best techno- set of technologies and you can even have the best data set, and most companies don't have best data sets. So let's, uh, let's be clear about that. Um, and you still could, you still could have an a organization that's, uh, that doesn't cooperate and where data is not being produced to align people, but data is being produced to weaponize and, and kind of get some, some uh, additional additional advantage. So it's, it's the organizational silos that will make AI and, and machine learning very difficult
0: to scale. So that's interesting that you talked about the people side of the equation, because part of being able to get all the data in one place is to give all the people the access to it all. So do you find that, that, that there's a, a barrier in the de- democratat- democratization of the data itself? Like, is there people who say, I don't want that data contributed there? And, and are there issues around PII? So are there legal issues that people get squirrely about this stuff? Like what are some of the challenges that, that you see, or examples that you yeah, see.
1: Yeah, you know, that you 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 mentioned kind of key key uh, problems. One is um, kind of the whole GDPR, PII, data privacy is becoming bigger and bigger problem. But I don't think that's the biggest problem. I absolutely don't believe that it's the biggest problem. I do believe that the biggest problem is that in every company you have five, ten departments dealing with data and systems. And they are not aligned they are not unified and and you know if you if you talk to anyone and you tell you ask them what's the biggest problem with machine learning and and ai everyone will say that the biggest problem is that 99 percent of machine learnings never get into production they actually those are science systems where people actually scientifically prove that oh this could improve our business but it will never improve our business because it will never be actually used. And why is it not being used? Because that production is owned by a different part of the company that doesn't necessarily trust the data scientists. So it's kind of, again, it's, 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 it's the, the, the organizational silos and, and uh, kind of, you know, uh, and also kind of efforts to, um, to boil the ocean and do too much. Uh, that's what prevents uh, these new technologies to, uh, from being successful.
0: I have your next company. You're going to create organizational therapy as a service. So just, uh, you know that's, that's my gift that's, to you. Let's go work me. on I, that next.
1: I, I, yeah, that that believe me now. That's and that's next fifty years of blaming. Now we blame it on data silos. The next fifty years, uh, it's uh, is going to be uh, blame on people. But I, I actually think again, we are talking about funding company, founding companies, and so on. And and this is why most founders should not spend time on this. You know, most founders should focus on 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 technologies and problems and so on that scale. And this is why you know this is why out of all the tech, all the data companies that were created in the last ten years, uh, all focused on Hadoop and so on. You you essentially have one snowflake that succeeded. And you know why? Because it's it's just problem that doesn't lend itself to be solved at scale and easily. It's a, it's it's a less about technology and more about the organization and politics and so on.
0: No, uh, it makes total sense. So, so I want to I want to talk a little bit about those companies that are in transition. So, we talked about the cloud, we talked about that data layer, and we talked about the people that can kind of get in the can be a barrier into all that. What's the barrier? What are the challenges from companies that have relied on on-premises data sets, and now they're trying to make it to the cloud, and the, and they want that data. Can they skip that step with data as a service and just take their on-prem systems and, and get it there? Or what are the, what are the challenges that are unique to those companies? Yeah.
1: So, so we actually launched, uh, you know, exactly for this reason, we actually launched a product uh, two weeks ago called uh, good data cloud native. And, and the, the word cloud native is actually a little kind of uh, confusing because what it actually means that it's, it's a technology that supports uh. uh containers, Docker, Kubernetes, and the beauty of that, that anyone can build their own private cloud, Docker and Kubernetes on-prem. So, so these kind of cloud native technologies are actually highly portable. So, you can build a data as a service in-house, you can build it on-prem, publish those APIs, that abstraction that you mentioned, and then you can actually move it uh, to the cloud later with the same abstraction, and no one actually knows that Hey, yesterday I was accessing data in on-prem and today I'm accessing data uh, in the cloud so again that's another uh, kind of advantage of that abstraction is that you you actually don't know where this information is coming from and um, and so so this portability of cloud native is is just wonderful and I think that every company will have to kind of make some baby steps and the first baby step is hey why don't you build like a small private cloud see what works Build some uh, some some best practices, and then you can actually go to the cloud.
0: One of the powerful things we did at at, at Upside was when we adopted we adopted quickly Docker and then Kubernetes because it opened up the ability for basically every software developer to essentially have whatever services they needed locally, and then the ones they were developing, and then and then could connect to the to our development environments or our staging environments to supplement the rest of the services. And the workflow of that is so much more powerful. And to your point. If you're on-prem or you're in the cloud, you shouldn't be, or you're sitting on your laptop and the ideal world in the services world, you don't, you just shouldn't know the difference, which is yep. a big deal. Um, yeah. So when you look forward to good data, like what's the, what's your big magical, like five years from now vision for the company? Like, hey, we're gonna, you know, five years from now, this is what we want to see out in the world. So, so for, you know, I would, like,
1: I would like this concept of data as a service to be adopted, you know, and, 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 and it goes back to where I started my first company, NetBeans, no one believed in Java, like literally, like everyone said, oh, it's a, it's a cool idea, it's never going to work. And now you have uh, most, uh, uh, b- the biggest banking applications and so on, other than in Java. I think and more the mobile same-
0: phones on earth.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, and, and the, uh, what is it, the, the, the orbiter or whatever on, on Mars, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the thing is written in Java as well. So, so, so I do believe that this concept takes time, they take time. And, uh, and so from my perspective, I, I really believe that every time we talk about business intelligence and data, you know, this kind of uh, visualization and so on, It it, it doesn't scale, that will actually get to maybe 5% of penetration in any company. And someone said uh, that the most transformational technologies are invisible. And and so data will not be transformational as long as it's visible, as long as you have to go to pivot tables and and massage some data, it's not going to be transformational. And that's our vision with good uh, data is to make data invisible, essentially powering every decision without you knowing that, hey, now this this machine is getting some utilization recommendation and that process is being optimized. That's my goal. My goal is to make data analytics absolutely pervasive, but also absolutely invisible.
0: That's awesome. Well, I have one selfish question for you when we wrap up here. Um, you know, it's been a wacky, 15, 16 months in things, your company's probably had to transform itself in a bunch of different ways operationally, but we're starting to look out at least in the United States around uh, being able to travel again for work. So I wanna know, how are you and Good Data thinking about your employees traveling around to meet with customers or to meet with each other? Like what's your travel plans from a business standpoint?
1: Uh, we, we are not forcing it. Uh, we are definitely not forcing it. I think that in, in San Francisco office, we will probably open uh opened uh, in um, late late summer, maybe early fall. That's kind of that's the plan. It's it's different. Uh we have an office in Czech Republic where I come from. That that office is now kind of being full. People like to work from the office. We also have an office in Vietnam, and Vietnam was almost unaffected by COVID. So it's it's really interesting to see how. Different countries around the world are uh, uh, approaching it, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very positive that this thing is over, uh, at least here in US, and, and essentially the second half of the year will be almost back to the normal, back to normal.
0: So, so what's the first business trip you want to take?
1: I'm actually flying to Prague next week. And, and I'm, I'm testing it. I'm testing it. You know, I want to see how it goes and they're going to let me in and so on. But yeah, I will be on, I will be on plane for 15 hours uh, next, next Wednesday. So um, that's, that's my plan.
0: That's awesome. Well, um, for those of our listeners who have not been to Prague, it is a fantastically beautiful city. and If you have the opportunity to go spend some time there, I highly recommend it. Um, so Roman, thank you so much for spending the time with us and being part of Founders Focus. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Founders Focus. We love getting feedback. So if you've got a topic for us that you want us to discuss, or you've got a founder you want to hear from, hit me up on LinkedIn at Case, or you can always grab one-on-one time with me at foundersfocus.com. Stay awesome.